three hosts. You have myself, Timothy. You have Lachlan. Howdy. And you have Ruben. G'day. So, uh, so far, so good. Looks like we fixed our technical issues, which plagued us the other week. Um, and uh, we are just talking before we started about that we're only up to section 13 <laughs> of the book. Uh, that's what happens when the majority of us and our families get COVID and all this other nonsense happens. So we've um, yeah, had extensive delays between episodes. And then last episode, we had technical issues. Then last week, uh, we had holidays. Mm. We're back. We're back. We're going to get back on track. And hopefully, we can do more than two uh, tonight. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, one thing we learned during the Republic is that uh, it takes longer than we expect. Sometimes, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. I, I, um, I, I still don't even feel like we're into the new year. Yeah. What well, is April? Yeah. <laughs> Where did summer go? Christmas before you know it, Rubes. Yeah, maybe it's because we kind of skipped summer this time around. Yeah, so yeah, for our overseas viewers and or listeners, mm-hmm. we've had very unusual weather uh, for what we're used to here in Australia. Uh, usually our summers are, um, you know, 40 degrees Celsius, mm. um, you know, long, hot, summer, sweaty, sunburn days. And instead we've had a uh, crap ton of rain and wintry sort of feeling weather four months early so <laughs> it's been yeah, a bit strange but um over the last week yeah, we got think... a bit lucky and got some sunny weather finally but yeah i don't think we've had one 40 degree day this year no i don't think so either very unusual yeah i think everyone it felt like almost every day of january and february the previous summer was 40 degrees <laughs> so yeah. just have such a cool summer is really strange well cool and so, wet yeah yeah well, we are a desert continent, but you wouldn't know it. Not at the moment, yeah. Anyway, uh, down to more serious business, beverages. Uh, I am actually drinking two types of beverages tonight. I'm finishing off the peated whiskey that I bought a week ago with uh, Ruben. Nice. And um, over the week, we made short work of that. There was maybe a third of a shot left. So <laughs> I'll pop that in here, and then I'll be switching to Japanese whiskey. They're good. What, what, what are you drinking there, Lachlan? Um, I have a, uh, a 2014 French Red, which um, is rather nice. We, we actually had a, a Orthodox Easter at our uh, at our place today, so uh, which is a week later than regular sort of Easter, and so um, did a lamb roast. So had to break out a bit of a uh, bit of red vino. So um, it's rather good. <laughs> Just had to be done. <laughs> Absolutely. How about you, Rubes? What are you drinking? Uh, I've got a Stone Circle Premium Merlot from Casa Grain Wineries, which is one of the wines that uh, I picked up while on holidays with Tim and his family. I was going to say, I'm familiar with Casa Grain. Yeah, they're up in Port Macquarie, right? Yeah, that's a damn right. nice drop too, that, that Merlot. Mm-hmm. We smashed a bottle of that the other night. <laughs> mm. So I've come back from a week away with uh, Ruse and his family and my family and immediately started uh, eating better and drinking water instead of bad stuff because I'm like hopped on the scales <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I think I forgot about that. Uh, one of those stoic virtues of moderation. 
<laughs> was uh, your t-shirt selection tonight like a reflection of uh, where you're thinking? Because you're wearing the, uh, the the the, uh, the the Thor era of Thor dad bod. <laughs> Correct. And yesterday, sorry, on Friday, I had my um, fat Thor t-shirt on, which says "Still nice. Worthy" on the back. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so yes, definitely feeling the kilos. That's okay. Nice. There. Well, let's get stuck in. So I will read this passage and we will discuss. So 13. If you wish to make progress, you must be content in external matters to seem a fool and a simpleton. Do not wish men to think you know anything. And if any should think you to be somebody, distrust yourself. For know that it is not easy to keep your will in accord with nature and at the same time keep outward things. If you attend to one you must needs neglect the other. So I read this first part and I'm like, tick. Uh, Mm. I'm sure I seem like a fallen simpleton to many people. (laughs) (laughs) um, I think it's a pretty um, fair observation of stuff that happens in the workplace all the time, hey? Um, How often do you come across somebody who's not willing to kind of put themselves out there of not understanding what they need to do because they don't want to look silly and um you know as somebody has people reporting to them i'd much rather somebody comes to me and tells them that they don't know what they're doing so we can fix it up get everybody on track on the same page and i think um i've got much more respect for somebody who can you know pull the big boy pants on and fess up when they don't know something you know and it's not even fessing up like it's, it's just sometimes you just don't know because you don't know right and uh, there can be like an element of assumed knowledge. I think you've got to be prepared to be more concerned about getting something right than how you look. Um, so I can, you know, I can understand that, you know, forgoing the facade and, um, you know, being allowed to look ignorant for a minute so you understand it better. I think that's right. Um, if you're in the environment, where that's accepted behavior. Mm. And there, there are some environments that I've experienced where that's not the case. And, um, you know, people say things like, uh, lie and back yourself <laughs> rather than, wow. uh, ra- rather than, uh, yeah, admit you don't know. <laughs> wow. So, Sign of unhealthy culture there. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, um, I agree. I agree with this sentiment very much. So, and and it's something that I've tried to get my son particularly to understand um, that idea uh, through his music lessons. Mm-hmm. So, um, when he gets frustrated at something at school that he's finding difficult, or he makes a mistake in his behaviour and he's being a little bit too harsh on himself, which he does sometimes, um, I just say to him like, "Well, how do you learn to play piano? You can't." read the music and hit the right keys exactly right first try you're going to hit the wrong keys you're going to make mistakes but the only way you get better at playing piano is if you keep trying to play piano Mm. if you go this isn't working and walk away then you still suck at playing piano 10 years later so you just got to keep going at it and making mistakes and that's how you learn yeah for sure what do you think about the part where they're talking about their um, it's not easy to keep your will in accord with nature and at the same time keep the outward things. Um, I, I think it's talking about pride, isn't 
like saying if if someone think you to be somebody then distrust yourself mm. Mm. so have that humility that I, I can look stupid to other people while I'm learning this but then yeah. at some point you'll get good at it and I think then people will start going oh that guy's really good at X or at Y and that's where you've got to like not entertain that I think that's what he's saying is that what you think yeah, that sounds about right to me what are your thoughts Rubes yeah I didn't really I, I understood the first bit I think that makes sense if you want to learn something you got to be willing to let yourself fail at it first like best way to learn is to make mistakes um and if you don't admit those mistakes, you never get any better at anything. So I think that's fair, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't really understand that second bit where it starts talking about, uh, it's, it's easier to keep your will in accord with nature. I'm not sure whether he's talking about your own nature, your, your personal nature or nature more broadly or what, um, mm. I'm assuming it means personal nature because it's at the same time, it's hard to keep your willing check with your nature at the same time as keep outward things. Um, but yeah, no, it's a bit lost on that bit, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I... I guess, I guess, I guess when you look at the last line, if you attend to one, you must needs neglect the other. I guess it's basically saying if you, if you're too busy trying to keep up appearances, then, um, you, you're not going to, um, you're not going to achieve the other, the other thing. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I remember... <laughs> <clears throat> my uh my old boss you know if he was out there sort of explaining something um to, to a bunch of us and at the end like he'd sort of says oh anyone got any questions you know they just get that silence because you know no one ever wants to kind of put their hand up to say that they don't understand what he's talking about and he would say you know silence is agreement so if i'm hearing nothing that means you you all get it and you're not coming back to me right so last chance <laughs> there are any details you want here right um <laughs> It's interesting because like sometimes people would sort of, you could sort of see it on their face, like thinking about asking something, you know, and uh, like, God, just do it, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but, I, you know, it probably is something that is sort of built into that, um, you know, and it's probably a survival mechanism, right? You know, that sort of like fake it to you, make it thing. Because a lot, of, it's seems to be common nature in amongst a lot of people, right? not to sort of fess up oh, if you sure. don't know something. Yeah. <clears throat> but I even saw it when I was going for my boat license a few weeks ago, we got to the practical test out in the water and the guy stops the boat and he's like, all right, who's going to go first? And just crickets. No one wanted to be that person who went first. Yeah. And, um, I thought of this and I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I was like, yeah, hey, I'll go first. Let me, let me have a crack. And, um, made one or two mistakes but didn't care just whatever yep. i'm i'm new i'm paying to learn that's why i'm here and yep. um then my wife went second and um after that like how can you how, how can you as uh, one of the other guys on the boat sort of not put your hand up <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once the only girl in the group's had a go <laughs> yeah. so but the guy's like oh why did you want to be first and i'm like because i can't be worse than the guy in front of me <laughs> <laughs> No one will go look at me and go, Phew, that guy's worse than the previous guy. <laughs> I'll either be better than everyone who came after me or 
I'll just be forgotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all good. <clears throat> all right. Well, let's um, let's move to fourteen. All right. It is silly to want your children and your wife and your friends to live forever, for that means that you want what is not in your control to be in your control, and what is not your own to be yours. In the same way, if you want your servant to make no mistakes, you are a fool, for you want vice not to be vice, but something different. But if you want not to be disappointed in your will to get, you can attain to that. Exercise yourself, then, in what lies in your power. Each man's master is the man who has authority over what he wishes or does not wish, to secure the one or to take away the other. Let him, then, who wishes to be free not wish for anything or avoid anything that depends on others or else he is bound to be a slave mm. silence no one wants to go first this time that's interesting <laughs> i was just gonna i, I want, just observed i don't want to look silly i don't want to look silly <laughs> <laughs> i just observed that my kindle said 117 other people highlighted the second half of that book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, <laughs> so actually, here's an experiment. If I highlight this, Ruben, will that number change to 118 for you? Or is it actually a nonsense? Here we go. I've just highlighted it. Well, am I not refreshing real time? True. It should say 118 now. No, nah, it's still says 117. Fake news. It's fake news. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. got you again. Boo. All right, so it is, I like how it starts off. It is silly. Uh, it is yep. silly to want your children and your wife and your friends to live forever. Um, that For that means that what you want is not in your control to, uh, to be in your control. So, thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, again, we're just sort of working back again on what's within your sphere of control and you know control what you can control and don't try and control what you can't um that's why it's silly um i think we've, he's kind of covered some of this in some of those earlier um books and chapters before um so i think we'd be kind of familiar with some of this territory now you reckon rubes uh, yeah, I reckon a really simple way to say what he's saying here is just if you have no expectations then you won't be disappointed <laughs> expect well, nothing and never be disappointed I think there's that but then he's also sort of saying um, that if you want you know freedom from your desires then don't desire things mm. um, because yeah. or desire know, things that desire things that are within your own your ownership and your control yeah, yeah. If it's within your power, then you can do it. You can attain it. But if something's outside of your control and outside of your power, then um, why waste your energy um, trying to do that? That that is that is silly, and you're going to make yourself a slave to trying to attain something that's unattainable. Yeah, I, I, for me, the real because you're right, it's sort of starting to go over the same thing and rehash. But to me, the interesting way that he talks about this is. Um, the fact that he refers to freedom and slavery being mm. um, attained through 
your desires, and I think I might have said this on one of the other podcasts, where it's almost like the opposite. We think in the opposite way in this day and age, where we think of freedom as being free to give in to your desires. He's saying the mm. opposite. He's going, if you want to be free, you need to um, you need to be free of those desires, or to have reasonable desires, or to deny those desires. Yep. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing he. Um or choice of word that he used in there was um, he he says to exercise yourself then in what lies in your power. I thought the choice of exercise was an interesting word. And I wonder if it's a translation thing or if it's a, if it was a really direct choice in that this is something that maybe you need to practice because it's not maybe naturally instinctive and it's like exercise yourself. You need to practice this because it's a habit you need to form and you know, it's really easy to give in to desire. Um, and I know he's not necessarily talking about base desires, but I mean, he sort of is at the same time. Um, it could be desiring anything. Um, and, um, you know, that you, you need discipline and uh, it's it's something you need to work at. My brain immediately changed that word to train from exercise. Mm. So, oh, yeah. Yep. Um, now, I want to take a slight tangent here. So I, I don't ever think that my children and wife will live forever but are are you guys what's the name of the Rohinian king in Lord of the Rings Ruben oh yeah I don't know man do you remember Lachlan no Uh, I heard it just the other day but I I, Eowyn's Eowyn's uncle um Mm. it'll come to me later anyway he has this mad line where he wakes up from being under the spell yep. and he realises that um, is it Faramir? No, anyway. He realises his son has been murdered and he's burying his son and he turns to Gandalf and he says um, no parent should ever have to bury their child and then weeps. Mm. And I'm like that's kind of how I feel it is meant to be. So I think mm. when I read something like this and I and and I think, okay, it's it feels not unnatural the, that Theoden, if it helps. Theoden, thank you. It would have driven me nuts. Think thanks for looking that up. Um <laughs> so anyway, the point I'm making is it, it feels natural for like if your wife dies, okay. The one of you has to die first, right? That kinda yep. makes sense. But when your kid dies, that feels like a tragedy because you've outlived your own child. That, that yeah. feels broken. So I, I guess that's why he's led with that example because that's like I, the I, hardest one to I think about. It, I find it interesting though too because if you consider the time that they lived in, it was actually probably more, well, more common than these days for children to sort of maybe not last right because there's just a lot more sort of, you know, yeah. disease and susceptibility and all that sort of stuff. Right. And just other, you know, dangers that exist that maybe don't exist in the modern world. Um, so it may have been a more common occurrence and maybe that's why he does use it as an example, because it did used to happen a bit in the, the more oh, sort no of ancient doubt. times versus our sort of time. So I think from a modern well, Google, lens, it's really right, hard Google, to consider. Google. Yeah, Google reckons that uh, the infant death rate in ancient Greece was about 40%. Dang. Whoa. Yeah. But that still sucks. 
Like, <laughs> right. so, yeah, no, no, here, there, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, like, this How is one of those points where I think, this is where I, I, I sometimes think, yeah, mm. you guys talk about moderation. Are you using moderation for your philosophy right now? Because saying that I need to not care about or not desire that my kids outlive me, mm. is that in accordance with nature? Mm. I would have thought being in accordance with nature is that you would, like your kids would outlive you. Well, they just sort of say that that they don't live forever rather than outlive you. So, I mean, it could be that you've yeah, lived yeah, to be, a, be an old man and you've, you know, essentially retired or something and you, uh, your son might be, uh, you know, in his, in his 20s and going off to war in ancient Greece, right? And your chances of survival are going to be lower and um, it may not be like a child child, but they're still your child, you know what I mean? Um, so there's probably a very real... Um, you know, sort of situation that would sort of come up. And I, I think you could maybe make more peace of that. If you're losing your three-year-old or something like that, um, where you sort of say they've got, you know, such a, a lot of life ahead of them, you know, it's hard for that not to feel tragic for anybody, you'd, you'd think. But um, I, I suppose, you know, going back just to the way they try and frame this stuff, it's, it's just about you can feel... Um, all of this and it's not that you shouldn't feel it um but it's kind of just fortifying your resolve that there's nothing you can do about it anyway and just not dropping into a well of um i don't know um depression or something about it and it's like i don't think they're saying that it doesn't suck um but <laughs> but it's just yeah. um it's like maybe, it's something out of your control yeah. yeah, and saying, you know, yeah, I'm upset about it, but, you know, what can you do? I'm still upset about it. You're probably not going to be able to, like, wash yourself of it. And I don't think uh, he can sound a bit sort of cavalier. I know that what you're saying, Tim, about the way he kind of frames this stuff sometimes because uh, I feel the same way, you know, like cavalier. Being a, being a cold bastard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I don't maybe think he had like he maybe he had thirteen kids, it. so he's like, eh, one less mouth to feed. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But I do, yeah, I, I do really like the second half, which has been highlighted by 118 people, mm. um, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, about basically if you're in charge of um, what you want or don't want, then mm. you're your own master. But if you allow other people to have that power then you're basically a slave yep and i think the bit yeah i always like the bit too they're talking about there the um you know let him then who wishes to be free not wish for anything um you know because you know, off camera earlier we were sort of just talking about <clears throat> you know mortgages and cars and all sorts of stuff yeah and uh you know, if you don't have desire to, you know, get, get yourself a new Porsche and uh, all that sort of thing, you know, you're, you're not harnessing yourself to burdens and all that sort of thing. So, you, you know, there is, there is freedom in less wants, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, I've heard it put a different way. Um, I don't know if it was one of you guys telling me about it or not, but maybe it wasn't. 
might have been a friend at work but basically um it's also about choosing the right sort of uh, how can i say this so the example they give is like tv so if you're watching it on an 85 inch screen or a 55 inch screen or a 32 inch screen you're still watching the same movie as the guy mm. watching it on the 85 inch screen <laughs> so like there's a there's a point of are you here for the screen size or are you here to watch the movie sure and so you know um, I, I recently got a boat I got a very old boat um, started ordering a whole lot of parts for it caught COVID and my dad did a lot of the work <laughs> um, but the boat looks magnificent now but it's still an old boat and it's yeah. not like a massive chain of debt hanging around my neck because mm. it was an old POS 1980s tinny which we've invested time into and some love and now it's an adequate thing to go in the water if and Rubes came out on it with me last week up at um, Port Macquarie it was great going up and down the mm. river and you know it's the same view that the guys in the friggin quarter of a million dollar yacht boats are looking at yep so and the great thing is Wait. you know you can it, it, it gets a mark on it it's like oh you damaged my paint job that we did with a spray can sad yeah <laughs> as opposed to oh damn that's going to cost four grand to repair you know <laughs> so no, uh, yeah, sure. there's a bit of that too i think hmm. and I, I think you know uh coming back to um epictetus you know <clears throat> he lived that similar life to um socrates where it's kind of a simple simple man simple tastes keeping things um you know within reason i mean it sounds like he achieved some reasonable sort of fame towards the end of his life but he still led a pretty modest life and that's obviously a, a choice sort of borne out in some of his philosophy so which is uh just pretty cool yeah mm. it's something i find myself thinking more and more about since i started reading philosophy is just what size tv do i need like do i need mm. can i get the same enjoyment out of something that has less burden on me and on my finances or on my family. Well, you know, it's exactly what we we're talking about before the show about uh, that guy who paid US two hundred thousand dollars for a uh, Honda S two thousand. We we're saying like a, a twenty grand MX five with uh, <laughs> a couple of grand of you know, modifications will get you just as much Do enjoyment. The same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the the Rexy I've got. Um, there's this company in the states that does tests on circles and figure eights and at what point of g-force do you lose traction and the rexy on the circular test loses traction 0 0.01 of a g before a 911 gt3 does and it's a tenth of the price <laughs> yep I'm like okay so strut bar later <laughs> <laughs> we're there like <laughs> Do, do we really yeah. need that uh, that Porsche badge? Well, that's nice, but mm. that comes with uh, a lot of debt and a lot sure of time does. to pay that off and service costs that are expensive and scary. And yeah, I think there's a, sort of, there's, there's a sensible middle ground, I think, that you can find where you can still <laughs> have some fun, but where you're not dying out of anxiety every time you use a thing in case it breaks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I heard, um, I don't know if it was an old interview or not, it 
look relatively recent. Uh, talking to uh, Jim Carrey, and there um, he was saying something like he was retiring. I was like, "Oh, why are you retiring?" Yeah, like yeah and he sort of said, "Oh, I, I've got something that most celebrities probably aren't going to admit to, but I've got enough. I'm I'm satisfied." Wow. Um, so, uh, and I thought oh, that's pretty cool, you know, uh, have enough self awareness. He's like, he's got, I'm, I'm doing painting now, I'm kind of really enjoying that. You know, I, I don't need to keep accumulating more and more and more. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You can't tell me he shouldn't, if he was at least moderately smart with his money, wouldn't have financial independence by now. You know what I mean? You'd think so, right? <laughs> I, I did hear he said he would do Ace Ventura 3. But it would have to be directed <laughs> by who did he say it had to be directed by? It was someone ridiculous. Oh, like some yeah. amazing director. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now because it's it's funny. Yeah. He's a pretty interesting cat. I think it was on that um uh comedians in cars having coffee. I think vaguely I remember sort of seeing him on that and uh yeah he was doing a lot of painting at that point in time and I was like, oh, it's interesting what uh what uh sort of stuff people get into when uh when they do achieve <laughs> financial independence right <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you assume, yeah but you would assume he's like a creative kind of dude like he's got that I found it that mentality yeah, yeah. So what do you say he said he would do Ace Ventura 3 if it was directed by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> Ace Ventura just got dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would dark actually watch green. that. That would yeah. be hilarious. I'm Ace Ventura. <laughs> you actually find it, he's uh, he's actually the homage to uh, the original Joker, is, is what you... <laughs> it becomes an Ace Ventura Batman crossover. <laughs> that, would be, that would be amusing. <laughs> He's already done the Riddler though, so I don't think he can do two. Wow! Wouldn't that be a spin out if he did? Would imagine if he did do a Joker eventually? That'd be such a spin out. Do you know what? He'd probably be an amazing Joker, just just quietly. I think so. Oh, yeah, it'd be crazy. Because comedians can often play the darkest roles, like better than anybody. Yeah, they're messed up in the head. I want to see Dave yeah, Chappelle totally. play a villain yeah. in a movie. I reckon he'd be mad at it. Yeah. <laughs> you would. He's buff now. Like he's. Big and fit and strong, yeah. sharp of wit. I reckon he'd go great. <laughs> let's see that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Alrighty then. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, fifteen. Let's read this. Remember that you must behave in life as you would at a banquet. A dish is handed round and comes to you. Put out your hand and take it politely. It passes you. Do not stop it. It has not reached you. Do not be impatient to get it, but wait till your turn comes. Bear yourself thus towards children, wife, office, wealth, and one day you'll be worthy to banquet with the gods. But if when they are set before you, you do not take them but despise them, then you shall not only share the gods' banquet, but shall share their rule. For by so doing, Diogenes and Heraclitus, I didn't say that right, and men like them were called divine and deserved the name. So that's interesting. I'm glad, 
I'm glad you were reading that passage. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm happy to get it wrong. <laughs> um, now, I'm just going to share a story here, which will hopefully embarrass my wife slightly. Um, <laughs> so we were at a dinner a few years ago. It was a big cocktail dinner. Um, I think it was at a wedding or something like that. And the food trays were coming out and we were also hungry that we strategically placed ourselves outside the kitchen door. <laughs> so then as every tray of food came out, we could get some. Om, om. <laughs> and uh, when I read this, I instantly remembered that thinking, oh my goodness, we were hopeless at this. We would not let it pass by. <laughs> we were like, hey, 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 what's this? Bring it over here. <laughs> so anyway. I think you're in a dire need of some uh, sustenance, though, so you can you can be forgiven there for. Uh... <laughs> I'm fading away. There's, there's nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this anyway, is, um... uh, this is cool. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good story. Um, I think it's talking to you about patience as as much as anything. Um, you know, be patient for life's rewards, and if they come by, you can take them. Um, if you can't wait for them, uh, you're starting to, again, sort of want to get something that's not yours or out of your control, hmm. it's only going to lead to frustration and jealousy. So, um, it's kind of getting back into those sort of base desires and, um, trying to control those instincts, I think. I like yeah, the fact though, that you clarify that it's okay to take them if they do come around to you, though. Yeah, but then he goes on to say that uh, if when they come around you don't take them, but you despise them, he speaks of that very hmm. highly. He basically says that's like the next level of, uh, you know, being awesome. Yeah, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, but yeah, well, he even says that you be yeah, you end up sharing with their rule. So I'm, I'm not, hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. To me, it's like there's a three-tier system here. It's like be greedy and chase everything. Or be neutral. And if it comes by, take some. If it doesn't, don't complain. Sure. And then there's like next level, which is actually don't even like despise those things. Don't even want them. So when they're put in front of you, you can go, oh, that's ridiculous. Um, it's like a three-tier system where the middle's fine to be at. But if you want to mm -hmm. excel go to the next level well i'm wondering I, I if he's like um if he's like going full plato here or, or full socrates here and saying you know the most important things are, are, are you know that, that higher level of knowledge so if you shun mm. the material then mm. you have a better chance of achieving what's really important i'm wondering if that's what he's pointing towards I, I was going to say the exact same thing rubes i think you're, you're bang on there um it's about that sort of ascending to the higher plane when you're the, when you become the true philosopher and, yeah. um, you know, like we we're just saying in the previous one, you know, he'd lived a modest life out of choice, you know, following this philosophical sort of journey. And I think he's sort of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say he's blowing his own trumpet, but at least he's sort of, um, you know, living his own, you know, doctrine, so to speak. Yeah. Mm. I want to do, I want to do the death of Socrates so bad. I'm going to be pushing you guys to read that after this book. Yeah, I think that'll be our next <laughs> one to read. Just, just, just coincidentally, I came across a poem um, last week or the week before on a YouTube video. Don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you. Does that happen to ever happen to you, anything, any of you guys? You just coincidentally come across a poem? 
I listen to a lot of motivational stuff. But it's it's a poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. Are either of you okay. familiar I with just that? It, I know Rudyard Kipling. I just thought it was funny the way you said that. It's like, I, I just pictured you walking down the shop and then all of a sudden a poem coincidentally walks past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, it's a it's a great poem. I, I'm not sure I agree with 100% of it. Mm. Um, but it sort of echoes this quite a lot. Um, I'll read one little part of it. It says, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same... Uh, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools or watch things you gave your life to broken and stoop down and build up with worn out tools um, eventually, eventually says uh, the world is yours yeah right so, but it's, a, it's a, a lot much longer poem than that but I came across a reading of it by oh, what's that English guy that's the butler in the three good Batman movies Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yes, he does. He did a reading of Sir it Michael on the YouTube's, and uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is a good poem. I like that." Yeah, right. Uh, and then I read What's the comments, the and it's called "If." Okay. And the comments on that video, the first comment was this dude, and he was like, "My dad gave this poem to me when I was like 14 years old, and then went to Vietnam and died, and I took this poem <laughs> oh. out of my drawer and put it on the wall, and it's been there ever since, and it's been like my guiding light." And I'm like, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Heavy. Yeah, 100%. But, um, it's a good poem. Have it, check it out. So, yeah, oh, uh, Actually, I'll probably he, link it in the uh, chat on face, Facebooks as well. Yeah, uh, Rudyard Kipling wrote uh, The Jungle Book. Right, oh. okay. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's quite a well-known writer. Oh, I can okay. see that straight away. If by Rudyard Kipling, read by Sir Michael Caine. There you go. Sir Michael so, yeah. Caine. Have a listen Sir to that Michael and see what you think. Caine. I will. I will. <laughs> um, anyway, so what do you think about passing by the wife, children, office, wealth? It's more the same, isn't it? Yeah. Um... I guess any sort of desires you can kind of put in the same box, right? Yeah. Mm. I think, I think, I think, uh, we'll get this sort of familiarity. The more we go into this book, I think we'll start seeing these common ideas and themes coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, um, I suppose that like you could have flipped this message a little bit too. And it, it's a bit, uh, it's, it feels very 2022, um, you know, gratitude. Cause that's something people talk about a lot these days, which is not something that it's too, it's so 2019. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, but it, it is sort of, I think being, um, thinking about what you're being happy with what you've got, right. Don't be greedy, you know, live with moderation that might be just like just don't be a greedy asshole um wait your turn. <laughs> be patient Sounded if you don't get what you want don't chuck a tantrum like you know just <laughs> be, an, be an adult don't be a little pain in the ass um live with, live with virtue and you know if you live by that virtue um you know you probably won't care about this stuff anyway so there's a great guy at work who i work with 
um, I won't say his name, but we all call him Malaka. And um, <clears throat> one of the other guys at work had all these different inspirational quotes on the wall, laminated. So he wrote one in text and got it laminated, put on the wall for him. It said, don't be a Malaka all your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Nice one. <laughs> all right, let's keep going. Uh, 16. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's no big Greek names in this one, so I'll see how I go. <laughs> When you see a man shedding tears in sorrow for a child, abroad or dead, or for loss of property, beware that you are not carried away by the impression that it is outward ills that make him miserable. Keep this thought by you. What distresses him is not the event, for that does not distress another, but his judgment on the event. Therefore, do not hesitate to sympathise with him so far as words go, and if it so chance, even to groan with him. But take heed that you do not also groan in your inner being. That's interesting. He's being a cold bastard again, isn't he? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, if if that guy's child dies, well, that doesn't really upset you, so it really shouldn't upset him. (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I get what he's saying. It's technically correct. Yeah. But doesn't mean that's what you should aspire to surely like oh my child died eh if it was someone else's kid I wouldn't care so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird well you know he's saying to have empathy for the guy but just don't um, I think get sucked into the, the grief don't I suppose get you down. yeah just you know whistle as you walk off have a good day chum uh, <laughs> bro, that no, maybe suck. Not. That's not me. <laughs> Bye. Mm. Yep, that's it. But uh, yeah, no, it's all right. I think it's just have sympathy for your fellow man, but um, you know, don't take it to heart. Know that there's nothing can be changed about what's natural and uh, out of your control. So that's I've, that I've heard thing that was in like... that earlier one about what was it uh, like being thankful for what you have, but being prepared <clears throat> to give it back when the time comes. Oh, what's that thing? It was like, yeah. it's like everything was sort of borrowed or, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's still a bit different though. Like this, this one is when you read that, you're like, Oh dude, really? Um, <laughs> he doesn't say not to sympathize though. He says, don't hesitate. Like, yeah. therefore do not hesitate. to sympathize. Yep. But take heed that it does not also groan in your inner being. I, I, I do kind of get that. And uh, I, my mum <clears throat> used to say that sometimes, you know, she would go to a funeral for someone that maybe she wasn't too close with, but it might have been like a friend of hers, mother or something, right? And mm. so she wasn't particularly close with the mother. And like, so didn't have an emotional connection with them. But sometimes she said she would go to a funeral and it would just bring up other feelings within her. And she'd really weep and like get sort of a bit like overwrought with with emotion because it would just bring other stuff up. And so I think maybe this is kind of what Epictetus is kind of talking about is maybe just not getting carried away with it. 
I mean, I will add, my mum found that therapeutic, right? <laughs> so um, you know, she felt she <laughs> yeah. getting it off her chest and she felt better about it. Um, but I, I guess maybe it's not uh, quite uh, in her inner being, if you know what I mean. Like she's doing it and, and let's say she's groaning with the, you know, the, the person who's grieving. Um, and then at the end of the funeral, she's like, that's it. And she could pack it up and keep moving on. So maybe that is exactly what he's talking about. I'm not sure. Um, well, actually, now that you mention it, and I'm looking at the wording too, it says, do not hesitate to sympathize. Um, a, a little while back, um, I was listening to a discussion on the difference between empathy and sympathy. Um, and the people that were discussing it were essentially saying that they think that empathy is a problem because empathy is basically sharing in someone's grief, whereas uh, sympathy is understanding and, and sort of expressing that you understand. Um, mm. So the, the difficulty being is if you're too empathetic, it will drag you down into the same, um, you know, in that same dark place. And then the problem being, like if somebody's drowning, if you just jump into the water, you just end up drowning with them rather than um, if you were more, another wise, if you were more sympathetic, you would, you know, keep one leg on land and throw them out and pull them back in somehow. But to be able to help someone, mm. you've got to have that foot still on solid ground. Um, but mm. I'm wondering if that's kind of, he's almost like pointing out the difference between sympathy and empathy to me. He's saying it's fine to be sympathetic to someone, to understand and express yeah. and understand. But if you go so far to, um, as he says, groan in your inner being, uh, it's almost like you're jumping into the same quicksand and just getting yeah. consumed by grief. And then you're mm. not really, like, how can you help someone if you're in the same dark suffering as they are? That's a really good explanation. And I'm glad you went into the difference between sympathy and empathy because I was going to go there. Oh, oh it's a really interesting one. Though. I must admit, I hadn't really uh, given that too much thought, but it's actually quite thought-provoking um, looking at those differences. So good call. Yeah. What, what made you go down that sympathy-empathy type route to me? Oh, just um, I think what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, you know, when you see children's hospitals getting bombed, stupid things like that, that really sort of can, you know, there's like really horrendous activity and there's a grief that those people have. And I think some people, when they watch that, they own that grief probably too much where it makes them suffer in a way that's probably unhelpful. Do you get what I mean? Like it's, it's sad and it's well, I, I also think but... everyone, I think also everyone would accept that when you are suffering emotionally, it inhibits your decision-making process. You're more likely to make a bad decision when you, when you're emotional. So if you, if you're projecting that kind of um, grief and you're harboring it within yourself, it's going to affect your decision-making process. It's going to, be, going to affect how you can help others. And I, I suppose what you're describing is a very, off events so maybe it's not so applicable i mean not a great deal that you can do essentially to, to help that situation but i mean if yeah. you were in a position to help but are you, you going to make a good decision if you're being empathetic rather than sympathetic hmm. well i think you can i don't know i feel like sympathy is something that you can go oh, that's a bad situation and what can i do to help that problem 
Whereas empathy is more, I'm going to feel that problem. Yeah. And so. I think our society generally promotes now empathy rather than sympathy, whether it's You're intentional right. or not, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know that, uh, I think you're quite right, but I don't know that maybe, yeah, it's intentional. I think it's a misunderstanding yeah, maybe of, of the meaning because I must admit I, I hadn't really given it too much thought, but I think your explanations, yeah, it's quite thought-provoking to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I look, to, just as a caveat, maybe those explanations are entirely wrong. That's what I've come <laughs> across in my, in my discussions. <laughs> but, uh... Look at By you being means, Socrates, you, like, you, I don't really know anything. <laughs> By all means, get your no, dictionary. Nothing. No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do one more that feels very Shakespearean. Oh, sorry, go. No, no, I was worried. I was worried because I thought you guys were starting to think that I might uh, know something as per the quote from a couple of months ago. Yes, we think you are very wise. Don't trust yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, we'll do this one as our last one for tonight's episode. This feels very a bit Shakespeare-y. Um, mm. Let's see if you guys know what I'm thinking of once I've read it. So here we go. Seventeen. Remember that you are an actor in a play, and the playwright chooses the manner of it. If he wants it short, it is short. If long, it is long. If he wants you to act a poor man, you must act the part with all your powers. And so, if your part be a cripple, or a magistrate, or a plain man. For your business is to act the character that is given you and act it well. The choice of the cast is another's. What what sort of Shakespeare yeah. thing did that guys remind you of? Oh, that was it. That life is but a stage or something like that. Yeah. The uh, I think actually um, I know it's a bit of a controversial dude right now with some of the charges that have been put against him, but I'm pretty sure Marilyn Manson quotes that. In one of his songs. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh really? Searching, hmm. uh, searching. <laughs> yes. Really Apparently he has done eighty-one, point. so that's not a good way. But but it's, yeah, it's basically that. Um, well, it's from Macbeth, I think. Right. I have read that a long. Is it from long Macbeth? Yeah. No, I don't think it's Macbeth. Macbeth is the. Uh, it could be, but. Going off memory, Macbeth is the. Um, something about. Something sound and wind and fury or something like it, but something. Similar idea, but I don't. It could be. <laughs> I thought I recalled Fassbender saying that. You might be right. You might be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Macbeth, life's but a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage. Ah, oh, yes. Interesting. Yes. Anyway, mm. that's what it reminded me of. There you go. Have you watched Michael Fassbender's Macbeth, Lachlan? No. No. It's good. It's, it's visually epic. Mm. And the music is quite good too. Uh, it's slightly different in places to the traditional way of telling that story but I really liked it but I didn't understand it I think right. I watched it with Ruben at the time I think we both came away yeah. basically saying really liked it didn't understand it 
Yeah. Is that how you remember it, Ruben? That's how I remember it, yeah. Yeah, because it was all done in the old tongue, the, too. Um, yeah, I recently watched the Denzel uh, um, one, and then I actually read through the play as well. So I think I understand now, but I didn't understand it then. Uh, I heard the Denzel one's pretty good, too. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was so good. Hmm. I have to watch both back to back. See which one's better. We could do that. Uh, we could do that for something on the podcast. We could read the play and watch the two movies. Oh, nice! Sounds good. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen the other one, but I, I definitely liked Macbeth um, by uh, Fassbender. That was mm. that was very nice. I think it was the same director actually that did the Assassin's Creed movie. Did that movie, and oh, right. he also had that. Um, what's her name? Marion. Marion. Cotillard, um, mm-hmm. as Fassbender's opposite, so they look good together on the screen together. They work well. Mm. She's That's in cool. um, uh, Inception. We've done. Uh, okay. She's in that too. She's a good actress. Anyway, what do we think about the reading? Uh, remember that you are an actor in a play, and the playwright chooses the manner of it. I just want to know who the playwright is. I'm guessing he's talking about fate again. That's what I thought. It's uh, King the Conqueror. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Marvel reference. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I I thought it was going back to, uh, you know, where we're in the, at the end of the Republic, when your uh, soul was going to choose life like a ballot from the fates. And the script for that life was cast according to the ballot that you selected. Ah, um, uh, yeah. And that that, basically, yeah. you're working out the life, you know, the, the concept of a life that's preordained by a higher power and that you have a, you've still got a, well, you've got a loose destiny, but it's still in your hands that whatever role you're given to give it your all and to give it your best and that any life according to the fates had an opportunity to be a moral and well-lived life, but you also have opportunity perhaps to live a non-moral and, you know, to live a bad life, right? Or a life of excess and giving in to pleasures and what have you at the cost of your morality, perhaps. Um, That's an interesting... Oh, sorry. I thought you... No, go, go, go. go. No, no, I was going to go on a tangent. I was was just going to say that's an interesting explanation for the two parallels of predestination versus free will because mm. that's something that's debated quite a lot in christian circles okay. um, but yeah like having that i've got free will to decide the role to a point and then but mm. once the role then that's predestined that that's the path that's uh interesting yeah, I mean, the, the way I, I understood it from the, well, from the Republic anyway, was that, yeah, you, you still had options. Um, and that whilst you, you might sort of get your, your die is sort of set, so to speak, as far as like the general outline, how you perform that task is up to you. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's hmm. kind of, I see where you're going with that. That's kind of what this is saying. It's saying um, your business is to act the, carrier that, the character that is given to you and act it well. So once you're given yeah. that character, you can choose to act it well or you can choose to act it poorly. Absolutely. So there's an element of free will within what is destined to occur. Yeah, um, mm. but to some extent, 
that's the way freedom always is because freedom requires boundaries to exist freedom is free <laughs> great movie to america <laughs> yeah i i think it's um yeah look, I, I think it's basically your life lesson at the end of it is like no matter you know whether you um you feel you got a dud lot or uh you've got the silver spoon in your mouth is that you make the most out of your life no matter what your position is right that's that's yeah. a basic sort of lesson he's, he's trying to yeah once again he's like it's not it's out of your control you can only control what you own um so own mm. it yeah. play it well act, act it well well and, and you know interesting i mean this is coming from a former slave and cripple mm. so i mean if anyone knew anything about getting a dud lot um he went from that position to a position of being held in quite high esteem and having a school of thought sort of following on from him. So, yeah, I mean, if there's well, ever anyone think... who probably felt like he's sort of broken of maybe his, uh, his preordained role, I guess Epictetus probably felt he lived that. <laughs> well, hold on. Maybe, maybe he achieved that because when the uh, dinner plate came around, he despised it. <laughs> maybe he rose to that higher level. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, how do you reckon this gels with, um, kind of some of the ideas you hear floating around these days like you know you can you know if you will it if you dream it you can live it you know you can manifest, be whatever you want manifest, to be. baby yeah. <laughs> like it's a very different outlook to that sort of mindset isn't it like you can you can mm. choose to be whatever you want to be and nobody can tell you what you are and that sort of thing it's such crap that you know like <laughs> what are you really manifest. saying mate yeah <laughs> Curse on that one. Beep. <laughs> Beep. Anyone who thinks they can sit back and dream about being uh, rich or whatever without doing hard work yeah. is delusional. <laughs> well, there's some fantasy. people who are on crypto who probably disagree with you, but it's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, that's, you know, to a degree, um, good luck, right? Um, because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone oh, yeah. had foresight that it was going to go anywhere. It's like, like what it's it like, did. it's like living near a fireworks factory that blows up and it burns down a hundred houses, but somehow the safe from that factory landed in your lounge room. That's what mm. crypto is like. <laughs> yeah, so many people get burned, but you just happen to get the safe land in your room. There's no, no skill there. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, Let's uh, call it at that for the book and let's head up to our favourite location uh, for having a chinwag, the pub for lots of us. And, uh, oh, I'm going to start, I'm gonna, yes, I'm going to start with a place that you and I went to on Friday, which was awesome. It was uh, a coffee shop that doesn't sell coffee, but they also sell books and and, finals. and uh so we oh, went cool. there and spent probably an hour there what do you reckon it was about an hour yeah i love those secondhand bookshops they're like amongst my favorite places to go <laughs> it was great um i think we spent exactly the same amount each but got completely different things which was pretty funny i'm gonna um, guess rude bought books and you bought records i got <laughs> books and a record <laughs> 
<laughs> <laughs> books and records. <laughs> um, but you'll be a bit jelly of the record I got, Lachlan, because it was Dave Brubeck collection. Oh, nice. It was very nice. I've listened to it. It's uh, in very good condition, no scratches. And I uh, had some tracks in there I'd never heard before. I was like, ooh, oh, this that's is nice. cool. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I was very, very, very chuffed with that. And um, I got a philosophy book for $10 that had Aurelius, Epictetus, and someone else in it. I can't remember the third one. Uh, and I also got a book on Julius Caesar from the 50s, which had some person's handwritten notes in there. Ah, cool. I'm like, that's a bit of a find. Um, and I found, so I have several sets of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle books, and I've got all the figurines <laughs> and things from when I was a teenager. There's some big A4 size comics that I've got three of the four books, and I've been looking for the fourth one forever, and they didn't have it. But I also have these small ones that are like A5 shape. And I was missing one of those books, and they had that book, and I got it for five bucks. <laughs> I was a happy man. Happy man. What so that's find. what I'm done. What a find. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, what did you get, Ruben? Oh, don't ask me to list it. Uh, I got an old Solzhenitsyn. Whenever I see a second-hand Solzhenitsyn book, I just buy it. Um, <laughs> I got, uh, and I discovered an encyclopedia set that I'd love to uh, collect. Um, it's basically Western classics, which is pretty much doubles as like a history of thought. Um, but we realized that, uh, to find a complete set of that will cost you about three grand now. <laughs> so it's like an early 1900s yeah, it's encyclopedia set. So I just, I bought one of those and Kinder bought one <clears> of the <throat> other ones. I got the Plotinus section of it. Um, and what else did I get? I got a couple of other books, but I, I can't think of what they are off the top of my head. Oh, Joseph Conrad. I've got uh, another copy of Art of Darkness because I've lost my copy. And then I saw another book in there by Joseph Conrad, which I had no idea about. So I thought I'd pick that up as well. Hmm. It's probably interesting. Uh, encyclopedias. I mean, like my kids would never have seen an encyclopedia. I kind of want to collect them, but they just take up so much space. But the reason I want to collect them is because you notice with the internet these days, information can be changed and manipulated so quickly. Absolutely. And I mean, just because it's just because it's old information doesn't mean it's correct, right? It's like it could still be wrong. But mm. I just, I just, I feel like when I'm seventy, they're going to be a really interesting touch point to sort of go, well, no, no, this is this is what people thought at a certain time, and it, it's it, it's written down, it's inked, you know what I mean? It hasn't been, yeah, hasn't been altered, it hasn't been uh, politically hasn't been memory hold um, <laughs> yeah I, but like i said I, I realized i realized from that day that uh, apparently collecting encyclopedia sets is a very expensive hobby mm. well they're not if you look in the right place i have more than once found on facebook marketplace complete encyclopedia britannica sets like 24 books for 100 bucks yeah mm. i might have stopped picking them up mm. I, you know the thing was do you remember like people would be like paying by the week or whatever for like four yeah. years or something to try and like buy yeah. their kids a set. Cause that was like a, that was a thing in the eighties, like in particular, yeah. like a sort of, it was a status thing, but it was kind of like something people wanted to do for their kids was to have the encyclopedias. Um, we had, we had was, an yeah. older set and I remember using it for heaps of high school assignments. So I'm using yeah, the school library. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So funny. 
<laughs> we really do sound gone. like middle-aged men now, right? Yeah, I wonder where that's gone. I wonder if my parents have that buried away somewhere. They're the sort of people <laughs> that keep everything, so maybe. You might want to check with it. But um, anyway, that, that shop is uh, called Flynn's. Flynn's Bookshop on uh, one of four Flynn Street, Port Macquarie. So if anyone's out that way, check him out. Uh, really yeah. friendly guy. Um, pretty knowledgeable when it came to the, what are the, the pop culture stuff, if I think you're interested in. But also mm. has a lot of books, so check it out. Heaps of comics too. Heaps of old school Marvel and DC and Black Horse and all sorts of stuff there. It was really yeah, cool. cool. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was uh, the reason I brought that up is the bookstore that I got my very cheap copy of um, The Republic from at Mount Druitt shut a couple of months ago. It's gone. Oh. Um, and I'm pretty sure the bookstore in Blacktown went too. And while we're there, we're talking about like, oh, we want to support this because we don't want these stores to go away. Um, so Lachlan, I wanted to ask, like, when's the last time you've been to a physical bookstore? Long time. Um, you know, I have been into um, Dimmicks in the city, but it was pre-COVID. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. That's, yeah, been, at least two years ago, yeah. It's been two years at least, yeah. What do they have to offer? I, I think, like, when you think about, like, EB Games, for example, and seeing mm. when you go in there, there's an environment... You can see things in the flesh because they're collectibles and they can sort of... You can trade in. Yeah, you can trade in things. Like, do you think it's a failed model now because of online that like, you're buying the same book? Like, the last book I just bought, new, I got from Amazon. Same here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think um, a lot of time, though, when I buy books now, I don't want a physical copy. Um, yeah, because storage is the problem, right? Hundred mm. percent. Uh, it's a modern problem. We've all got too much stuff, right? And um, look, um, I'm happy to go digital when it comes to that stuff. Um, ironically, you know, the last physical book I bought was The Republic, which I have already read, but then bought it because I wanted the keepsake. And I thought it was something that was now important enough to me that I wanted to keep a, a physical copy for. But I think that's unusual for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, our kids um, have a massive collection of books. They really love reading. Um, my older two boys both read an absolute ton and it's all physical. Um, so... Um, I don't know. So we, we still do buy them stuff every now and then. Um, and it, it's probably more likely that they're going to get them from Kmart or something though. You know what I mean? Rather than um, yeah. going into a bookstore though. Yeah. I think the thing that bookstore adds is, is knowledge. And, um, you know, when you go and talk to somebody who works in a bookstore, they're usually um, literature nerds, right? Which means if you want to ask advice about something, that's the value add that they've got. Because yeah. they have they have knowledge and expertise that I, I don't know you can't say it's like not necessarily bias everyone's got bias but uh, 
anyway, it, it, it's somebody who you can who you can talk to and query. You may well do that stuff online now, right? You you're doing an internet yeah. query to obtain information, but you can't look at that person and have that conversation to ask them about it, right? You can just read someone's Reddit review of you know what the thing's about and if it's dumb or if it's good or if it's whatever. Um, so, uh, I don't know, it, it's always good. I think to be able to eyeball someone when they're telling you their opinion on something, you, I think you get a more real view, not there, but an opinion is just an opinion, right? It's not fact. It's not truth. <laughs> well, it's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> well, the, the, the last, uh, physical book that I got, I think is the right method so i i got a copy of the word on fire bible which just got released i think last year and all it is like it's the same thickness as a normal bible but it's just got the four gospels in it and it's made by this catholic company over in the states and they've integrated um commentaries from like 350 ad into there plus commentaries from the last 200 years plus artworks from the last 1600 years with explanations about that plus history and so as you read through each chapter it's like one page of bible for 40 pages of everything else mm. and it's in this beautiful leather casing with really thick paper with the gold trim around the edge and it was expensive but it's like an experience to read it because it's got this real sort of heaviness to it and it looks beautiful with the gold trim and the leather smells amazing and it's soft and thick and it it's a real collector's piece i think that's what will potentially save the physical bookstore is if they carry things that are more collectible i, mm. I think the yeah the, the penguin classic style of book of just a paperback that's seven dollars i think that's going to kill bookstores i think they need to have things that are a premium and they're made to the highest standard and they look fantastic on the shelf and they feel amazing to hold and you know what i mean like there are um there are really places good. there are um, there are publishers that are sort of out there doing that kind of stuff there's one i think of called castelia house uh, and they do like a subscription model um, where they bring out a new book every month, but it's it's full blown leather bound, made to last hundred years wow. type thing. Um, but that kind of stuff's very expensive. Like I don't know what that subscription model. I think it's like a hundred bucks a month or something. Like, it's a lot of money. Yeah. But, but they they're focusing on classics. Like um, I think they did uh, Aurelius, what's Marcus Aurelius one month. Oh, meditations. Another month. Yeah, they did meditation one month and another month they did something else. But um, so I think there's there are people out there that are sort of clicking onto that business model. Mm. Um, and I think you might be right. Because that's kind of, um, after we finished reading The Republic, I, I sort of had a bit of a look online. I haven't found anything yet, but I would love to get like a good hardback or even leather bound version of The Republic. I think it's just for the same reasons that uh, Lachlan spoke about. Yeah, we were talking about that because I remember I sort of stumbled onto um, a copy of the Iliad um, that was done in that style and it was beautifully bound and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's something to be said. I mean, I, I, I do like reading a physical copy. I like holding it in my hands and I, I do prefer to read it on paper than the screen. 
but I'd be just super choosy about the ones you get there. Selective books I'm going to get because I just know there's finite space and um, I don't have a library at home. So uh... not yet. You will see. The more we do this, the more you'll be like, oh, that's another book. Yeah. Well, suddenly, yeah. suddenly yeah. when we're 90, you would have read six books on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, um, mentioning long time i think we'll wrap it up there so we don't go for heaps long um <laughs> so yeah for those of you listening slash watching um thanks for your perseverance with us while we've had a few weeks of absenteeism due to health and unforeseen circumstances but uh hopefully we're all back now and um also the tech issues seem to have pretty much sodded off so that's excellent mm. and uh i just want to say thank you to lachlan rubin again for your participation Pleasure. Pleasure, good sir. Thanks for having us. And uh, remember, the Republic wasn't built in a day, and neither middle aged men. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. All right. See you guys.